0: Thanks, Norm. It feels very strange to all of a sudden be preaching. Somebody said, oh, is this your last time preaching? I said, well, I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) Today it is, for for the next little while. You know, I want to thank you so much for those of you who've expressed uh, all the support and whatnot for me being able to take some time off from ministry and uh, the regular rhythms and patterns of of life that way. Uh, I'm really looking forward to meeting with the Lord. Uh, for the first couple of weeks of of my break, uh, I'll be able to actually get away and be by myself. Wilma basically said, "Aaron, you just need you need to get out of Dodge for a little while, uh, and uh, and just be with the Lord." And there's been some great provision actually uh, given to me for for that, where I've actually got some places to to stay at that give me an awesome opportunity to be with the Lord in the midst of His presence. Uh, so. Getting into our series this morning, we are in part four of our Go series, Matthew chapter 28. If you're a guest here this morning, that's where we've been in for the last few weeks. So if you have your Bible with you, Matthew 28, and we're just going to read that. Uh, Matthew 28, 18 to 21, the Great Commission, just so that it's fresh in our heads this morning. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Hey Rick, just somewhere around uh, 400 hertz, just take that out a little bit. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. That's what Jesus gave to us. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been exploring this great commission. And in one sense, it's kind of like, you know, there we go. Just back, back off the game just a little bit, actually. Just take the game down. Because you guys hear that? Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, just back off the game. There we go. There, perfect. Like bookends, we started at the beginning and at the end. And then the command of Jesus was actually in the middle, which we're actually going to get at today. Um, We've talked about Jesus' ultimate authority over everything that he does on the one end. And then we talked about the promise of assurance that he has made to us, that he's never, ever going to leave us on the other end. Right? It says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to who? Jesus, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Those are the bookends. And sandwiched in between the authority and the assurance is our mission. So sandwiched in between Jesus' authority and his assurance is our mission. Jesus commanded, one, make disciples of all nations. Two, baptize. Three, teach people to obey Christ. That's what I want to focus on today. So what does go actually mean? Well, something I believe and I want to reinforce today at the outset is one particular word, this particular word that actually gives us the posture, the posture we need to take in obeying Jesus' command to us. It's that word, go. You know, for, for those of you here today who maybe English isn't your first language, it's not your mother tongue, You've either learned or you're in the process of learning that English actually isn't an easy language. Uh, Chances are you've discovered uh, enough that, that we have these grammar rules about how to write and how to speak, how to communicate, and these rules have a lot of exceptions. And it's not always clear when you're supposed to put those exceptions into place and how they apply. It can be really confusing. So I've got lots of respect for people who are serious about learning the English language for the first time because it is not an easy task. Today, we're reading the Bible in English. We have just saw it up there. And this is one of those situations where our language, the English language, has its limitations in communicating the real message that Jesus is wanting us to hear. And in order to uncover that, that deeper meaning, we need to actually return back to the original language that it was written in, which was the Greek language. And the word for go in that particular context is this one. Can you say it? Coruthentis. <laughs> there you go. Chances are my good Greek friend George Balaxis would correct all of us. But when we read the word go in verse 19, it's not clear how we should go it tells us, in one sense the things that we need to do. It talks about the nations, so obviously it 's a very broad brushstroke. But should we go today? Should we go tomorrow? Should we have already gone? Do I just need to start my feet moving and 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 just go without any particular direction in mind? Does this verb "go mean a particular geographical place that I need to actually move toward? Well, knowing that answer will actually help us determine when to make disciples and to baptize and to teach and whether we're actually doing things the way Jesus is actually meaning and asking us to do them. Thankfully, we've got resources that actually connect us back to that ancient Greek language and bring it forward into today so that we know how to honor Christ's work and what he's given to us as his church. So as we dig deeper into this, we not only discover that go is actually a clear command, but the second and deeper meaning is as you go, while you are going. That gives you some more context, doesn't it? Here's why that matters to you and me as followers of Christ today. To be true to the command of Jesus, it's not about how far we go or even where we go. Jesus is saying, saints, in the midst of your life's journey, wherever you might be, whatever you are doing, as you're traveling, as you're going on the journey, as you go, here's what I want you to do. This means sharing the gospel isn't only for missionaries that go to far-flung regions of the world or those evangelists that seem to have a real knack for sharing the gospel. No, it, it means as you and I traveling through our everyday lives, we're meant to be doing what Jesus commanded. Not one of us here has an excuse not to participate. It's the task of every single believer to be part of advancing the cause and mission of Jesus Christ. But in one sense, it also takes some of the pressure off of us to do something huge or grandiose. God's also in the very simple things. I love how Jesus can make complex things really simple for us. I think he does that because he knows who we are as human beings. I don't know about you, but I need things broken down so they're simple for me. Maybe you're way smarter than I am, but I need things simple. Jesus makes things simple. No matter where you are, what you're doing, whatever season of life you might be in, you never actually have to question. It's always time to be making disciples, baptizing, and teaching. It's the mission that we have that won't end until Jesus returns. Mothers, fathers, keep sharing Jesus with your kids, modeling a Christ-like lifestyle to them so that when they're older, and when they're old enough to understand, they too can make a decision to follow Jesus. Youth, if you're here this morning, I know a lot of them are already in fusion today. If you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, you're part of the team. You're in this with everybody. In your workplace, with your family, with your friends. As you are going, be looking for ways to share your faith. And should someone make a decision to follow Jesus in, in your sphere of influence, get them connected to a church. Help them grow. Help them solidify this commitment that they've made to follow Jesus. Encourage each other, even in your own small groups that you're in. Hey, everyone, what about this Great Commission thing? What what are, what are each of us doing? What's God been speaking to us about this? How can we pray for one another? Each one of us has a part of this. In myself, in, in you, you're not the whole entire answer. We do it together. Is that flashing on you, Christopher? Uh, go into the display functions for the projector. Go into the advanced ones. No, 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 no. Windows, Windows desktop, yeah. And change the frequency of the refresh rate to 60 from 59. Wow, what is, ah, Who is this standing up there? What is this language he speaks? It's Greek to me. yeah. <laughs> Okay. Last year, two of my daughters, they were aged about 9 and 10, were playing with one of their friends at in the neighborhood at a park. Uh, and it was shortly after two Sundays that they had been learning in Sunday school about well, what does it mean to share your faith? What does it mean? How do you actually share the gospel? And as they were with their friend in the neighborhood, out of the blue, their friend said, So, do you believe that there's a God? And without missing a beat, these two girls, three of them together, they began to share the gospel with her. And afterwards, they asked if she'd like to pray and invite Jesus to be her Lord and Savior. And she said yes. They prayed with her. And to make a long story short, she is still coming here to church a year later learning about what it means to follow Jesus. She's in and out of our home. Her parents aren't following the Lord, but they've been blessed to say, hey, you know what? We see something good happening in our daughter. Keep it going. It's literally, it was literally that simple. Right in the middle of their lives, as they were going about their lives, this happened. It's for us too. So that leads us into three things that we're asked to do. Let's reinforce them today as we're going. The first is we make disciples. That's what my girls did. The phrase making disciples means the process of helping someone become a student or a follower. You have the opportunity to do that, to help someone become a follower of Christ. But when it comes to being a follower of Jesus, there is, in fact, only one way, and that's through the ABCs. A, need to acknowledge that I'm a sinner, that I need God's forgiveness to set me free from the consequence of sin, which is death and separation from God. B, believe, believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He died on a cross to pay the price for my sin. And He made a way for us to be forgiven and free when He rose from the dead, defeating sin and death. And see, confessing with our mouth our need and our desire to be forgiven and to receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Meaning that now you follow His way instead of your way. He's the one who's in the driver's seat of your life. That is the way to become a disciple and a follower of Jesus. It's through a very simple prayer of faith that we can receive this free gift of salvation and become a disciple of Jesus. And you know what? There are a hundred different ways to share the gospel with people in our lives based on those ABCs. But I want to ask you, folks, folks, Are you ready? Do you have a plan? Can you share the gospel with someone in three minutes or less? Could you do it? Have you prepared what you're going to say? Have you actually practiced? I mean, it's fine to bring someone here on a Sunday morning and Norm and I can share the gospel up front, but what about the other six days of the week when you're actually in real life with the people in your life? A couple of weeks ago, some folks in our congregation, they got a knock at their door from their neighbors who were uh, desperate for some help dealing with some very real and dark supernatural forces at work in their home. Uh, Their neighbors had been trying all sorts of different supernatural kind of things and going to different supernatural practitioners to help deal with what they were experiencing. No success. It actually got worse. However, when our folks were invited into their home to pray in the name of Jesus. Their neighbors felt an immediate freedom and a change in the atmosphere. And as a result, they listened and they heard about this wonderful and very real Jesus who has the authority over every kind of evil spirit. And they gave their lives to the Lord. As you're going, are you prepared? Making disciples isn't an option. It's not an option for any of us who call Jesus Lord. I realize it has actually become harder for us to do this in North America for a number of reasons. But is there anything keeping you from making disciples as you go personally? Do you you feel prepared, but you actually have a lack of opportunities? Well, then pray and ask Jesus to give you some opportunities and be faithful to act on them when they come into your life. Maybe you feel uh, scared or unsure about what to say. Well, then learn. Obviously, we have the Holy Spirit to help us. But the more you prepare yourself, the more confident you are you will feel when the opportunity actually arises. It takes work to prepare. People, can't, people don't usually sit down at a piano and begin to play Beethoven. Unless there's some weird thing going on, right? It takes time and it takes effort to prepare yourself to share the gospel. I'm glad it's simple. <laughs> but we need to prepare ourselves. Plus, I learned a long time ago Why would Jesus send me fish to catch? Kind of a metaphor. Why would he send me fish to catch if he knew that I had no idea what to do with them? Think about that. Jesus called his 12 disciples and he taught them how to fish. And Jesus called you as his church to make disciples. Have you been learning how to fish too? Or maybe you feel like it's not your job. You know, maybe it should be left up to the professionals. Well, hopefully from what you've heard from me this morning, that kind of blows that lie out of the water. It is the responsibility of every follower of Jesus Christ to be ready to give a testimony about why they follow Jesus. It is the responsibility of every follower of Jesus to grow in their capacity to share the gospel with the people in their lives. It will look different for each one of you. The way I do it won't look necessarily the way that you do it and the way the Lord leads you to do it. But we don't have an option. It's part of our responsibility of following Jesus. You know, we don't do the saving. Jesus is the one who does that. But our responsibility and our privilege is to be a witness, to share what Jesus has done for us. This process of making disciples is meant to touch every nation and every generation on earth for the glory of God. It's part of the reason why it's in our mission statement as Gateway Church, until he returns. Ask the Lord. Here's a challenge to you. Just simply ask Jesus. Jesus, what can I do to grow in my capacity to partner with you in making disciples? That's it. Just ask him. What can I do? What's the next step I need to take from today? So after someone commits their life to to Jesus, to be a disciple, we're commanded then to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son, Jesus, and of the Holy Spirit. Baptism is this symbolic and spiritual act of us publicly declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord of our lives. He's our Lord and He's our Savior. And we want to share that. With the world. In the church, you know, meaning the big C church, we've got many different traditions on how to go about baptizing, whether it's sprinkling water or pouring water or full immersion baptism, which is what we do here at Gateway. As we are immersed in the water, it's a symbol of our old life dying and being left behind, but then being raised up into the new life that Jesus has given to us. I've said it a number of times on a baptism Sunday that baptisms are a four-way public declaration. One, that we belong to Jesus and we want to follow Him. That's the primary reason. Two, we identify with the church, with His body, and say, I want to be a part of you. I want to link arms with you and advance the kingdom of God together. It says to the world around us, I'm no longer a part of this system. I'm a citizen of heaven. And it says to the devil, you no longer have a hold on my life because I belong to Jesus and no other. That's what baptism actually says. In the early church, there was no such thing as waiting for years to be baptized. Uh, It was the assumption of people in the church that immediately after you accepted Jesus and decided to follow him, that you would get baptized and seal that decision publicly, whether it was in a river, a lake, or wherever it might be. It would have been strange for people back then, for people for you not to have been baptized, actually. Uh, Today, we often wait to baptize children and youth simply because we want them to have reached an age where they more fully understand the commitment that they've made to follow Jesus. But whether you've been a Christian for a few days or whether you've been a Christian for years, baptism in God's Word is a command. If you've prayed and asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, but you have never been baptized before, that's your next step of obedience with Him to consider, to pray, ask. What should I do with this, Lord? You know, it doesn't matter that, that this has to happen, you know, tomorrow. If you're sitting here going, huh, maybe I should be baptized. It doesn't necessarily have to happen tomorrow. Uh, I, I believe our next baptism, is, at baptism Sunday is probably scheduled for this fall coming up in October. There'll be some classes that are involved with that. We usually do it about twice a year. But if all of a sudden we have a bunch of people that are saying, hey, Norm, I'd like to get baptized. I'd like to get baptized. Well, then you know what? We'll speed that up and we'll get her done. All right? That's right. We'll do it. Uh, Because why? Jesus asked us in his great commission to us as his church to baptize people. It's a part of our mission it's a sealing of a ceiling, not that kind of sealing, but a sealing like wax of the commitment that we have made to Jesus. The third thing Jesus asked us to do is to teach, teach them to observe or to obey all that I have commanded. Our new life as a disciple is a life of obedience to Jesus' commandments or it's not a new life at all. Now, if we just keep doing the same things we've always been doing and there's no change, where's the new life? It's totally worthless to acknowledge the lordship of Jesus in your baptism and then ignore all of his commandments. So all of us are disciple-makers, but we're also teachers and learners at the same time. We're in a constant process of teaching as we're going, but also learning as we're going. But teaching people to obey Jesus isn't easy. I know. I've got five kids in the house. Obeying Christ in all that he commanded, for all of us to understand that, is actually harder yet. It requires tremendous spiritual power. Jesus was so kind and so gracious to leave us with a word of encouragement and power. He said, I'm with you. I am with you always. Dave last week said, to the finishing of the age. Not just to the end, but to when my whole plan, Jesus said, when it's finished, I'm going to be with you all the way through. You don't have to do all of this on your own. There's grace and there's power given to every follower of Christ who asks for it. If you are tired and worn out, ask yourself, am I doing this on my strength or on God's strength? Often I've found when I'm tired and worn out, it's because I've been trying to do too much by myself. If all we do is listen to words and it never leads to any action, then something's out of whack. It reveals something in our hearts. Remember, Jesus said in John fourteen fifteen. he said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. When the Lord tells us to do something, we always need to respond with, yes, Lord. I might not fully understand what he's asking me to do, but I respond with an obedient heart. I want to observe everything he's commanded that's ready to follow through and act in trusting faith. You know, it's the same for us corporately as a church. We're meant to live out the commands of Jesus together and graciously hold one another accountable in love. Did you know that? It's not just about me, myself, and I, and Jesus. It's actually about me, myself, and I, and we together with Jesus. You know, we don't simply obey because it's our duty to follow Jesus. I hope you heard me. We don't simply follow Jesus because somehow there's a list of things that we have to do now that we're on the team. We obey out of love. We obey out of love for the one who saved us, the one who we've been singing about this morning and worshiping. Our, our humble and willing obedience actually shows the to the, the degree and the depth of our love for Jesus. Ah, can I say that one more time? Our humble and willing obedience shows the degree and the depth of our love for Jesus. And that's a bit scary <laughs> because it also shines a light on something that we might rather not look at all the time and that's the state of our heart. Now, there are people around the globe that say they're followers of Jesus, but the fruit of their lives, the actual actions of their lives, and the posture of their heart makes you actually question, are you, are you following the same Jesus that, that I'm, I am? You know, you say you love Jesus, but you beat your spouse. You say you love Jesus, but you yell and you scream and you put down your kids every day and actually drive them further away from you. You say you love Jesus, but why do you why do you turn away from helping the poor and the needy around you? You say you love Jesus, but why do you only seem to ask Him to bless what you've already decided to do without His input? You say you love Jesus, but... Why did you deal unrighteously in that business deal? You say you love Jesus, but insert anything in here that's inconsistent with Jesus and his word. I realize that none of us are perfect. We all have our stuff. Reality is we actually need help to fully obey what God has said. We can't do it by ourselves. We certainly need to make a choice to obey, but there is someone who actually stands ready to help us obey and to follow Jesus, even when we don't feel like it, when we're worn out, or we're having a tough time being obedient. John fourteen twenty three twenty six 26 says this, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him and will come to him and make our home with him. And it goes on to say, but the Helper. Oh, I'm so glad there is a Helper. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring you, bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. We're supposed to obey and observe all that Jesus has commanded us? How can I remember all of that? We have a Helper who has said, he will help you remember everything that Jesus has said. The Holy Spirit will always point you to Jesus so you can become more like Jesus. You know, In the coming weeks, we'll be focusing a little bit of time talking about the great empowering work of the Holy Spirit that's been given to us as the church as we go. We need the Holy Spirit filling us, helping us, empowering us, transforming us, reminding us of what Jesus has commanded us to do. You know, maybe you've been struggling. You know, you know what you should be doing, but you just can't seem to break out of what it is that you're doing. Well, here's the way of obedience. The way of obedience is: yes, we need to change our behavior, but we actually first need to apply God's word to our life. So this won't come up on the PowerPoint, but like we were talking about already this morning of Jesus being our first love. We were singing about it this morning. We were talking about it. We experienced it in communion. Refresh yourself in what Jesus has saved you from. When you invite Him to be the Lord and Savior of your life, He actually saves you from the consequences of sin and death. He actually provides you with the power and the strength to break free of any bondage. And the genuine response that we have when we reconnect with our first love with Jesus is worship, gratitude, and love. And when we see Him, when the light of truth shines on our brokenness, our destructive habits, our actions, our habits, our part is then to confess our sins is to say, yep, I did this. And we repent and we invite Jesus to help us change. You know, Christopher, you can actually just shut off the PowerPoint. That's fine. But we don't actually stop there after inviting Jesus to help us. We actually ask that as we've swept things clean, as we've confessed with our mouth the stuff that's in our lives, as He comes in and He helps to clean things out, we also pray, Holy Spirit, would You come into that area of my life? Would You fill it and help me to walk out a life of obedience in this area? That's the process. In one sense, it's simple. I recognize. I get my eyes on the Lord. Whatever the light shines on my life, I don't run away from Him, but I actually confess and I deal with the things going on in my life. I invite His help to actually help me to turn and walk the other way that I was walking in, and I ask for His Holy Spirit's help to help me walk out that life in a new way. I realize there's multiple layers that come after that particular action, but that, folks is the spiritual transaction between you and heaven that opens the doorway for transformation and change, humbling ourselves, saying yes to Jesus. I want to walk your way and not mine. So are you plugged into the right power source to accomplish this mission? Are you plugged into the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit's not electricity. He's not energy. He's not a thing. He's an actual person. He's your friend. He's the helper who comes alongside. Or are you doing it on your own? Are you trying harder with the latest self-help techniques to break free of something? Or are you working in daily partnership with your friend, the Holy Spirit, who actually has the power to help you break free and transform your life? If it's just words going in and there's no action, it's meaningless. But hearing and obeying is the evidence of our love for Jesus. Because if we truly love Him, we'll do what He says. What's God calling you to do? Is it a phone call? Is it an action that you need to take? Is there an area of your life that you know you need to shift? Whatever it is, if you got a pen or your notepad or your iPad or your iPhone or whatever it is, whatever kind of writing thing you got in front of you, Write that down. Tell God that you are willing to go after that and ask Him to give you His strength to follow through. Did you, I don't know if you picked up on that. Ask Him for whose strength? His strength. Because your strength isn't going to cut it. You need His strength working in you. Often what happens is we go... Oh, I've finally run to the end of myself. Now, Jesus, I need your strength. <laughs> Isn't that the way we do it? I've done that so many times. No, it's actually every single day we need to get filled up with his strength to walk out and live the life that he's given to us. You know, I, I was saying that I just love that Jesus can make complex things really simple for us. Well, Here's how I want to close today. Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who has all authority over heaven and earth, has promised that he will always be with us. Are you good so far? Simple enough? All right. Those are the bookends of the Great Commission. Christ's authority and his assurance. Jesus has asked us, as his church, to do Three things on our mission. What are they? Make disciples, baptize, and teach them to live a life according to what Jesus has said. That's our mission. It's a simple process to remember, but sometimes it feels like it's a really complicated thing to walk out. However, Jesus is a pretty smart guy. It's probably the understatement of the year. (laughs) You know what happens when we put this process into action and the Holy Spirit helps us? The church grows and the cycle continues. It must be working because you and I are still here 2,000 plus years later from when Jesus first commissioned his church. it has got to be something working. Whether you have been called as a global worker to spread the gospel to another land, another nation, or you're meant to stay right here in Winnipeg for the rest of your life. Let's keep saying yes to Jesus and his command to, to his church to go. As you're going, as you're in the midst of your life, do these things. Church barbecues, various outreach events are all part of what it means to be a church in our community. But I am convinced that none of those events come even remotely close to making disciples like the power of the Holy Spirit working through you in the relationships you have right where you are in your daily life. Friends, that is how the church grows. Real people, like Norm said, real people seeing the real Jesus at work in our lives, realizing that we have a faith that really works. And then receiving an invitation to come on the journey as a follower, too. That's Jesus' plan for multiplication. That's our mission. We have the privilege of doing this with Jesus naturally, every day, as we're going. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your greatness and your goodness to us. Thank you that it is through your sacrifice that we can walk into your presence with confidence and with joy. That no matter what we are facing, you're with us. Lord, would you help us individually and as a church body to be faithful in walking out what you've asked us to do. Lord, we want to be unified like was already prayed out this morning. Lord, we want to be a place of grace and welcome. Lord, we want to be a people that have their arms wide open to share the love of Jesus with a hurting world. Because we know, Jesus, that you are the answer. You are the one in whom we can put our faith and trust and that You will show Yourself glorious in our lives and the lives of those people in our lives as well. Lord, I want to ask that for each one here today, that You would help us to move closer. Whatever our part is in helping to expand and multiply the kingdom of God, Lord, by Your Spirit, would You speak to each one of us here today about what our part is. Lord, maybe they're already doing it. Maybe we're already doing it. But, Lord, if there's anything else that is on your heart and on your mind, we ask that you would bring it into our hearts, into our spirits, and that as we gaze into your face, the love that we have for you would propel us into your purposes. Lord, I bless this congregation. I bless their generous hearts. I bless their desire to follow you. Lord, I bless what you bless and I curse what you curse in the name of Jesus. And I ask, Lord, that the life that is here in Jesus Christ would continue to grow and would pour out from this place and we would see many come to know and worship Jesus as well. Amen.